Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast. Back here with another episode coming to you guys on a Monday today with uh, the first of what will be two episodes, planning on having one again later this week and getting back on track. Had a few things to take care of last week. Obviously, we had the Dan Taylor interview about his book about Kenny Washington, the former UCLA football player and former Los Angeles Ram. He was also a teammate of Jackie Robinson at UCLA uh, for the football and for the baseball team. So make sure you guys go back, check that out if you haven't already. But like I said, today's Monday. We're going to get you guys back on track with this episode and then again later in the week. Um, For those who don't know, my name is James H. Williams. I am a co-host here on the podcast and a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register. And as always, I'm joined by former UCLA linebacker Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on, man? It was good. I'm excited. I said we're counting down. Camp is officially started and underway. And uh, well, we're under, yeah, well under a month from the first game. So, yeah, it's coming up quick. Um, it's funny because I think even on the last podcast, I said, oh, you know, I'll probably still be doing some stuff, but I may not be going to practice every day. Somehow there I was first day of camp. I was there. <laughs> I was like, man, like you can't get out of it, even if you want to. And and part of it is I don't want to. So I was happy to be there for the first day of camp and and to see everybody and and just to see how excited everyone was to kind of get back into camp. It took them a few days before they got the pads on. So they just started out in shirt in a T-shirt and stuff like that. And there's a lot of different topics um, that we can get into and that we'll try to get to. But is there anything that's on your mind at the moment kind of leading into the season before I kind of just open up with what I saw for practice? Um, I'd say they, they have us what start out the coaches pull of not ranked or. Yeah, have it, even though we I mean, having the season that we had last year finishing, even though without a bowl game, mm-hmm. I think that's still a top 25 team. Um, excited that after after, you know, I think these first few games, if we mm-hmm. run up to score how we should. We should definitely be in that top 25. That was the first thing that was on my mind for UCLA football this week. Yeah, no, I did see that. And, and you know, sometimes I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not expecting UCLA to be on there right away. But I'm like, let me just check anyways. And it was interesting because and, and I, I actually was on um, with my buddy, Zach, who does the locked. Uh, what is it? Locked on UCLA podcast. And th- this was one of the topics that we were talking about. Um, they did come out the top 25 coaches poll. So it's not the official AP poll or, or what will be more commonly used throughout the first part of the season. But um, until until the um, college football playoff rankings come out. But um, it's usually not that far off the coaches poll and what the AP poll will be. Um, and my initial reaction was because I think my buddy Zach even asked me, he's like, well, UCLA wasn't in the top 25. And I said, they're probably they're not going to be. They're just not going to be. It, and, and I think you brought up a good point, too. Um, because NC State is ranked in the top 15, I believe, and that's who they were going to play in the bowl game. If they were to play them in the bowl game, and, and maybe if they would have beaten NC State in that bowl game, maybe you're looking at a little bit different of a conversation, and maybe you do have UCLA creeping in there and maybe that 20 to 25 area, but not entirely surprised that they weren't in it, and I think it will be a little while before they find themselves in any sort of top top, top 25 
consideration. I think maybe they'll start getting some votes, but I think it'll be hard early on, right? Because you have South Alabama, Alabama State, and Bowling Green, and, and even you'd have to really kind of blow those teams out and mm-hmm. show some dominance early. Yeah. To even kind of be considered. But again, I think what everyone's looking forward to and is already starting to map out and predict is they're going to go 5-0. and They're going to meet Utah, who should be 5-0 and as well. And I think you have Oregon, Utah, and USC in some order all ranked in the top 15, maybe. They're all in the top 25, I believe. But if you get UCLA to knock off a team like Utah having be- and go to 6-0, and for example, then I think maybe we're looking at a little bit of a realistic conversation, much like we did when they beat um, LSU, who was a ranked team. They went in there and they got their um, acknowledgement for that. And we're ranked coming out of that game um, well, as a result of that game. But then you have a bye week. I think they creeped up a little bit into the rankings just because they didn't play that week and some other teams fell off. And then they went to that Fresno State game, and fell, fell short against Fresno, and it cost them their ranking. And I think they may have gotten some honorable mention votes after that, but if they can kind of win some games and have the season many predict, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a top 25 team by the time things are all said and done. Yeah. I mean, we might not have the strongest schedule, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's going to play in our favor if we, you know, our record says, yeah. you know, still in the pac 12. So still having a, you know, a top record in the pac 12 should mm-hmm. get you top 15. Should sn- sneak outside the top 10. And off with- the top, go ahead. I was like within the first, you know, four or five weeks mm-hmm, for sure. And I think, and I think that see, but that's the, so for me with the PAC 12, that's the thing that's always interesting. Oh, like no one watches the games or it's down or, or, or whatever. But I mean, like USC, Oregon and Utah are all ranked. And it's like, I mean, those, those are PAC 12 teams. And if the thing is, is you can't have any of those teams and, and even UCLA as well. You can't lose the teams you're not supposed to, right? You can't have Oregon State go in and beat two of those teams. Because exactly. then, then half the Pac-12 then falls out of the top 25. You need all those teams to keep winning. And then obviously you're going to have some of them kind of knock each other out just because they're going to be playing each other. But if you have ranked versus ranked, maybe you're knocking each you're knocking one of those Pac-12 teams down, but you're not taking them completely out of the Pac-12. Or I mean, out of the, out of the top 25. Um, so, so we'll see how it plays out. Do you guys be honest now? Do you guys pay attention to top 25 or does it mean anything to you as a player when you're kind of going through the season? Do you I mean, you're going to hear I, about it, right? But yeah, I remember when I I mean, when I first got to UCLA, like mm-hmm. we were we were climbing and we were I mean, we were ranked like almost the entire my freshman year. Um, like we were top 10. We were top. We might have been like seven or eight like we were we were up there though Mm -hmm. um and then after i mean the years following it was like every time we got ranked by the next week weren't ranked yeah and -hmm. they would get ranked and then we're the next week weren't ranked so it's like i mean at the end of it you you just focus on winning you know pac-12 championships and winning season at that point there's only so much you can control when it comes to the rankings unless you're literally undefeated or whatever but like you were saying though it what's crazy usually to me is i feel like when two ranked pac-12 teams play the loser drops significantly yeah versus when two sec ranked teams play mm-hmm. they, they just like swap yeah they they'll just, just swap, they'll just swap. <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's like a big difference when one beats the other and mm-hmm. pac-12 teams are always taking each other out and, and From... that, that's just how it is in general with like the call it like just like this conference with the conference race. Right. It's like 
you lose to an Oregon State and then you're just out or like no one takes you into consideration anymore. Like, I think there's just that prejudgment compared to like, oh, Alabama, Georgia and Ohio State. You can lose your first game and they'll still be a top five team. Like, yeah, you can still make the playoffs with, right. with one one loss, maybe two versus mm-hmm. like you have one loss in a Pac-12. You're automatically out. You might. Yeah, that could take you out the, out the top <laughs> yeah. 10 with one loss. Yes. And they, it was a significant jump, I think, when because LSU, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. I think LSU was ranked 13 going into the game with UCLA. I think UCLA knocked them off and was like number 24. And then the the bye week happened. They moved up to 23, 22 going in against Fresno. I think Fresno beat them. And then I think Fresno jumped in there as a top um, 20 through 25 team or something. And then like they lost the following week. So it you just got to win your games. But I think even if you're not a top 25 team, that's okay. Like you, you because I think normally UCLA is going to be a top 30, top 40 team, which puts you in the top half. But you just want to get to a bowl game. I think if anything, like that was the most significant thing of last season was that you reached a bowl game. Now you couldn't play in that bowl game, yeah. but you reached it. Now you want to try and reach the bowl game and do whatever you can to stay healthy and play in the bowl game. Yeah. But I think that's where the culture needs to, to shift from mm-hmm. bowl game to championship. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If like now, you know, chips in there now, Mm-hmm. Last year should have been the first bowl game, but now it should be Pac-12 championship. Now it should be Rose Bowl or higher. You know, saying like yeah. New New Year's New Year's game mm-hmm. to playoffs. And I think like in order for the program to go and with the direction of us going to the Big Ten, we want that's how the conversations and the culture needs to be headed in that direction. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. That's what the culture is across the street. I'm saying we, and I think that UCLA football needs to start heading in that same direction. Right. No, there's no doubt about it. And when you look at Chip Kelly and his guys, and I'm sure this is crazy for you to think about, but his first recruiting class, and we kind of talked, I mean, this is really no surprise, but you look at his first recruiting class, they're all like older guys now. Like this is their last year. Like this is, this is everything except for Mo. Mo still, <laughs> I think Mo and what shape there's it's. A, there's, there's a few, yeah, there's a there's few a, there's more a few, guys. Yeah, you have uh, Martin Andrews. Good old um, Martin, yeah. Good old Martin, too. Shay, you got Mo. Um, I think that's it. That might be it. Because, so we talked to Mo, uh, or Mo talked to the media during this past week. And so I was writing about him, and, and like, I was going to write about, like, I was writing about, oh, they got new new defensive coaches or whatever, um, new defensive coordinator. But, like, I'm like, no, no, no. Mo's been there long enough during those six years. He's seen three defensive coordinators, right? Because in Kelly, from Mora to Kelly, right? Because he was a Mora guy, Mo mm-hmm. was. So if Kelly comes in, that means Jerry Azanero is now his new defensive coordinator. And then now he has another one. He's the only guy, Martin too, and and, and Shea maybe and Shea, or whoever. They all have seen a new deep three. They've seen three def- defensive coordinators during their time there. Well, now a lot of these guys who are four years or whatever are barely getting their first kind of coaching change. I mean, outside of guys who transferred in, now they're working with a new defensive coordinator, obviously. But so that's just a, another unique perspective and something I'll have to ask Mo uh, more directly next time or Martin or, or Shea, whichever comes first. But it's like, you know, there's you like for a lot of the guys, this is a new this is different during their time at UCLA having a coaching change. Right. Mm-hmm. And but for Mo, like. 
Yeah. He's Being able to, Mo's, yeah, Mo's gone through position changes, coaching changes. Mm-hmm. So he's, I mean, he's, he, he's a savvy vet now and yeah. can, can literally adapt to anything. So it's probably didn't even phase him. Probably not. No. And, and he's so fun. Like he's so positive about everything. And he's just, he's just a humble dude. It's, it's always a good conversation with Mo. One, one guy that I did stand out to me. And obviously it's just going to stand out because of who he is, but Dorian Thompson Robinson, first day of camp, you get him and Bo Calvert going and speaking to the media to open up camp. Um, but what stood out to me about Dorian and I kind of had to remind myself and I wasn't sure, like I'm, there was something different about it. There's just something different. And part of me was like, is it just because I'm now seeing him in person for an, for a practice interview? Um, it was a, it was a weird, it was just like, it was like a weird, it was just a weird dynamic. Cause I wasn't sure. Like, I mean, I, I would see him in person after games and talk to him, but I'm like, I don't know, but it was just something different. I don't know if he looks bigger or what, but he was very calm, cool and collected. And what I liked about Dorian, I think what fans should know is, so we come through the gate. Um, Dorian's had just, well, that, usually we're, and as you've experienced, we're usually there waiting for you to come. And, you know, so you kind of walk into the chaos of, of the media scrum, right? But Dorian was already there. He fist bumps like each one of us, which I'm like, like that's that's just different. Just just because it's normally like for Dorian, I think he's just excited to be in camp and like he his energy is just there, right? But he his answers were very thoughtful. Not saying that they weren't before, but it just he had thoughtful answers and in everything it, it just all seemed different. And I just think he's carrying himself a lot differently, like we've talked about on the podcast. But I think it just really stood out to me that the way he's going about kind of carrying himself this year. He's an old man now. He is. That's, that's what happens to me, yeah. sure. I mean, you probably could find the same thing from my first interviews to my last interviews at UCLA mm-hmm. to even my interviews now. It's like your growth, it, when you grow, yeah. when you're growing up, it it comes out in everything that you do from mm-hmm. the way you handle yourself in interviews to the way you handle yourself in the locker room to on the field to in the classroom to around the campus. You know, I think when you – you get a certain level of maturity. Yeah. Is I mean, that's just how you are now. So, I mean, he's been through all his years of development and mm-hmm. it's like for this time. And I think he's, he understands like it's, there's, there's no, there's no there's more, nothing. you know, yeah. for a while it was like, okay. When like Dorian's young, Dorian's young, right. Like he's going right. to, when he figures out, he figured it out. This is his time to show everybody who it, like I am what, I I am what I am and I am what I wanted to be. And this is right. what I'm supposed to be. Like this is my time to, to show y'all that I am what y'all hoped I was gonna be. Just you know, all the naysayers, all the mm-hmm. haters, all the people that doubted him. I feel like he understands, like he don't care what they think, he's gonna do what he wants. And I I mean that's what I'm excited for this season of him to prove everybody wrong. I think I think the other thing too, something he said that was interesting to me and kind of perked my ears up a little bit when he said it was because it was kind of like, you know, I think we may have asked him something like, Oh, you know, there's no Kyle Phillips. There's no Greg like this, like it's new, new targets and stuff. And he's like, he's like, I'm just treating this. Like it's my rookie season too. As if like, yeah, I didn't go to the NFL, but I'm treating it that way. And I'm going to, I'm asking chip questions. Like, like, and if like, you know, getting ready for the NFL, like he's he I think what he like to what he was saying, and it came off a lot clearer than how I'm explaining it. But he's like, I'm already in professional mode mentally. 
like the way I'm carrying myself, the way I'm going to play, the way I'm going to prepare. Like, I think that's just where he's at. He's like, this is my rookie season. And that way, mm -hmm. by the time, you know, whatever happens, if he gets to the league and he gets on a team, like the mentality of it will be like he had his rookie season or, or more or less. But but that's but I just found it interesting because it's just a different mindset. I think that goes with having different guys you're throwing to now. Right. It's like it is different. Maybe there's a couple of linemen up front that are the same familiar faces. You have Kaz. Obviously, you have Zach Charbonnet, who's just on a different level as it is. But I just thought it was kind of interesting. And like, who thinks like that? As it seems like this is my rookie year. Like, I know I came back and. and I, I mean, I like guarantee it, like in this offseason and his whole decision of coming back for another year. Mm -hmm. These are the conversations that him and Chip were probably having every day, along with um, whoever's representing him, his yeah. parents, his family, like. Mm -hmm. anybody close to him is definitely probably having these conversations of like all right um what are my options go to the league or come back go back to school mm -hmm. and then what do you want to do where do you want to be i mean i even had this conversation last year talking to chip as yeah. far as i was thinking about trying to get an extra year and me and chip are having these conversations of like okay you're coming off a knee you know you mm -hmm. had your year usually typically guys that come off of knees have a a really good second year like their first year you kind of knock the rust off and you get better your second year right all right so if you if we can get you back we'd love to get you back um he's like because you can only one of the things he said is you can only enter the league one time right and it's like you want to have the best everything where you're projected where this and that um what are the things you you know your strength your weaknesses where the pros and cons of staying versus leaving all that type of stuff mm -hmm. and she probably had the conversation like yeah okay you come back i'm a you know I'm gonna get. I give you the NFL treatment. Your chip has been in the league. He's dealt with rookies. He's had that experience. He knows what right. Jordan is gonna is gonna face next year. He can show him that you know. Now, not saying that that chip doesn't hold everybody to that professional NFL standard, right? But I'm saying it's 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 good to have a coach that's been there. Um, yeah. Oh, more so. You know, yeah. You know, what I'm saying rather than mm -hmm. the guy that's just only done college, college, it's, college. Uh, correct. And and we'll get more into that mindset in a minute because that was also a big big thing that I wrote about this week or not, not a big thing, but it was a thing that I wrote about this week and we'll get into that in a minute, but also, so I, I think I mentioned it before. I don't know if you heard it or remember or whatever, but I think it was in the spring. Dorian said chip wanted him to go. Chip told him go like, not like I'm tired of you go. I don't, I don't think it was like that. I just think it was like, I believe in you. I believe in you. I think they both evaluated and said like, compared to who's coming out this upcoming year, whether it's DJ, CJ and Bryce, for example, like it's going to be a lot. There's a lot. I mean, the quarterback class for this upcoming draft is going to be a lot more talented than this past class. So I think he was encouraging him that there was a better chance of him maybe getting drafted or or, or being more uh, having more value coming out this um, past year. But DTR wanted to come back. And again, I think that's part of the mentality he has. It's like, yeah, I'm foregoing the NFL. I'm um i'm betting and gambling on my, not gambling I'm, but i'm betting on myself that i'm gonna do better this year and raise my stock and and i think that's where a lot of that mindset is coming from but yeah and and again part of me wonders like how much the dylan gabriel thing him potentially transferring in was gonna was factoring into maybe chip saying i think we're gonna be good at quarterback the quarterback spot like you know move on dorian in a way but i don't know i you know it's only based on whatever they said um but again, going back to what I was kind of referencing earlier, uh, a lot of the guys on defense are, are pretty excited about Bill McGovern, the new defensive coordinator, and Ken Norton Jr. being there. 
um, because they said it's a very NFL-like approach uh, with the way that those two guys in particular with their NFL backgrounds, um, both of them just as recently as last year being in the NFL coaching, coming mm-hmm. in right away, bringing that NFL mindset, different techni- uh, technique, I guess, you know, just maybe the way you um, approach things, the way you go about film, different things like that. Obviously, Jerry Asnero was in the NFL as well and coached in the NFL. But I think there's just um that was just something that stood out from Mo and and who was the other and Azizi Hearn, who was a tra- who's a tra- incoming transfer or did transfer in from Wyoming. But they just said it's a very like NFL like. And, and you know, I'm sure those guys, uh, Norton and McGovern are, are kind of preaching like, you know, this is what we did at the, at, you know, at my last stop. It just so happened to be in the NFL and and different things like that. And I'm sure you, you show them the film of what they did do or here's what we're going to do. And they're using NFL film. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see. Chip also um, talked. <laughs> I guess this was probably the first time he was asked about Jerry Asnero and his departure. And he said, you know, the word is, is that he resigned. Right. He didn't retire. Um, mm. So what was said was that as an arrow decided to resign to pursue NFL opportunities. That's what Chip said. Um, as an arrow is not with the NFL team at the moment. Um, so again, it doesn't mean he cannot be a coach or he's not. Oh, as an arrow is open to maybe being a coach in the future somewhere. That doesn't necessarily mean UCLA, but in the future coaching somewhere. Um, but yeah, so it, I think some of the things that he said that were from Chip's perspective that were significant and important when looking for who he was going to bring in for his defensive staff and, and what he's liked um, and, and is comfortable with from Norton and McGovern is that he wanted to improve what they did with their past defense. They were like 104th in past defense. I think this past year and liked what they and liked their philosophy and the scheme passing, the passing defense in terms of scheme and what they're bringing in for that, but also, what they can add to that, to the, uh, to the run game or the run defense as well. So um, it was nice to kind of just hear chip address some of the things we've been trying to ask him about for the longest. Um, and so he said, yeah, pass defense is something we, that was a weakness for us and something we want to improve on. Um, if you hear a coach, like obviously you, you've been with those coaches before. If you hear chip Kelly say that, does that mean anything to you? Does the, those kind of words resonate um, at all? Like, does that make you want to, say, okay, we need to be better in this particular area, knowing that that's something Chip said. Not that he's, because he said it to us, it matters, but I'm sure whatever he's telling us, he's relayed to the players as well. I mean, that's just 100%. You should want to be better anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. when yeah, whenever you're looking at a ranking like that, you'd never want to be one of the last in the country and something like that. As yeah. You should take, you should have a chip on your shoulder. Um no pun intended for <laughs> pertaining to that and want to, you know, get better. You should, it shouldn't take the head coach um, pointing it out for you guys want to improve. Because yeah. I think because for a, a while, I remember it was a thing of we couldn't be Stanford because it people were like, it was that we couldn't stop the run. Right. So I remember like there's a whole off season of like all of us being like, stop the run, stop the run. Like that's the focus of stopping mm-hmm. the run, you know, but it's like, I feel like collectively as a, as, as a, as a defense, you know, not just the DB unit, not just the linebackers, but like even the D line, because when you have a better uh, pass rush, it helps the back end. So I'm saying as a defense, that should be one of the the themes moving forward, or just being a better, completely sound defense. So yeah, it shouldn't take the the head 
coach pointing it out for mm-hmm. you to want to improve in that area. And we had, we asked Dorian uh, too what his thoughts are on the defense, like the new defense. Is there a new look? Like what, what is he seeing and what is the biggest thing he's taken away? Obviously it was like the first day of fall camp. So more or less he's kind of reacting off what he's seen from them in the spring and, and maybe just that first day. But he said, there's a huge emphasis on like takeovers and, and being in position to try and um, allow, re- allow guys to be in position to get interceptions or to make um, impact plays in the secondary. And I think, a lot of that is too, is I think Bill McGovern is was a highly decorated defensive back back in his day. Um, him and Norton are both like college football Hall of Fame nominees and are on the ballot again this year. And I think uh, when I first heard about McGovern, I think he was like the an interceptions leader at one point. I don't know if he still is, but um, for I guess for a single seat, I have to look more into it. But at one point, he had the highest mark for interceptions in at the FCS level um for the the small division one or one a college he went to back in the day so coach um, was like that coach coach was like that and you wouldn't think that or like and that's the funny thing with coaches right you start hearing the resumes and you're like i would have never known i would have had no idea but i'm like dang coach mcgovern was moving like that so you know it's one of those deals where when you're first introducing yourself to the players and maybe you turn on your tape and you start he's just like picking picking off people but yeah it was just interesting because i kind of like put two and two together i'm like dorian saying there's like an emphasis on takeovers and like obviously swarming to the ball and, and having all go- 11 guys around the ball uh, as a place coming to an end is always going to be a thing but yeah that was something that stuck out to dorian and i think they're doing a lot more different drills and stuff this year um again it goes to that wanting to change the the passing defense the way that they have and then um another thing that has stood out uh darius i kind of I was listening to the interview right before we did the podcast and I kind of caught the last name. So I'm still working on it, but it's Darius Wasau. I'm still working on the last name, but the new incoming uh, linebacker from or transfer from Hawaii. Um, he was kind of asked about the new defensive coaches and, and he mentioned that. Well, one, he mentioned that, and, and this is a positive thing too. And, and you would expect is the defensive guys are, are pretty much a sponge and that's all you can be when you're taking in a new system and learning a new scheme more or less, right, with new coaches. So um, that was pretty positive to hear. But he said um, he's thriving to be an impact player and and trying to be a guy who's there and swarming to the ball, and he wants to be that impact guy. But he also said someone like Ken Norton Jr. is is pretty vocal out there and is yelling at, at the linebackers and, and having them move into uh, the different spots he wants them to. Again, they're kind of learning stuff fresh here. So, um what uh, what is your take on on having a vocal guy and obviously a guy like a Ken Norton Jr. who has the resume that he has? Um, you're not taking any sort of yelling or or, or vocal uh, verbal kind of teaching um, personal, right? When you're out there at practice, no. I mean, you can't. It's as long as it it's um, productive, right? Or like yeah, like or. It, it stays on the field and it's yeah. not crossing any lines. Right. Um, you know, you should take, you should, you should want coaches to be hard on you. Cause that means, like I said, that means they care if you're mm-hmm. getting criticized a lot. Cause, and especially with his Ken Dorn Jr. What? You should want to get yelled at <laughs> right. by that man. Right. No. Yeah. You're getting coached up by a legend. Right. Like, I think that's the thing too. It's like, you understand the weight of the person who's telling you, like, if it's just so-and-so who's just blowing smoke and yelling just to be loud, like that's one thing, but it's like, yeah, we're not, yeah we're, we're not talking about a uh it's not a scrub off the street right or or like a a, a you know 
a grad uh grad assistant or something uh, yeah gs never played before mm-hmm. or you know a, a third year walk-on that right you know is it you know is <laughs> like yeah <laughs> you're talking we're talking about ken or junior so yeah Ever, about anything he says or tells you or would tell you like you should just believe and just based on his experience know it's going to be factual or, or the truth. respect and try, yeah see mm-hmm. the angle that he's coming from and try to apply it to your game but it's also an interesting dynamic because Darius also mentioned that McGovern um, is, is fairly quiet during at least the, I think because one of the media guys asked him like from the 20 minutes we see of practice, Bill McGovern doesn't really say anything. He's just kind of bouncing around between different position groups. Um, again, a lot of that's just make sure everything's moving smoothly as they work on this new defensive um, kind of system they have. But he, he said something that was interesting was he's um, Darius said, yeah, McGovern is, you know, pretty quiet in different things, but I guess something, because the way he said it made it sound like this is something that they've talked about um, in their defensive meetings, but Darius just very smoothly said, um, yeah, McGovern's like that because he trusts his staff. And he, and he said that McGovern had said either these guys on my coaching staff are either going to be defensive coordinators or already have been defensive coordinators. In other words, they know what they're talking about. And I, it shouldn't always have to come to me to tell you, but if any of these guys on my staff, he has that much trust and respect in those guys. Obviously, as we mentioned with a guy like Ken Orn Jr., but it's like everyone in there is is someone that should be respected in that in that um, defensive meeting room. And I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty significant to hear from a guy like Darius. So I'm just trying to think what else what else we can talk about. Bo Calvert was there. Um, oh, um, how close were you with John Gaines? Was he there like your senior year or uh, your- my my? Yeah, my my fourth or fifth year. So so you guys were teammates at one point, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I don't know when this started. This might have happened after the season after. But uh, so John Gaines's father had kidney cancer. And I guess actually, you know, was on the transplant list and different things like that. But I guess one thing that stood out was, um, and because Sam Marazzo, one of the other offensive linemen, actually spoke out and 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 made the story kind of public like hey um i'm trying to remember what it was but it was like wishing or sending well wishes or just highlighting that here's what game uh john Gaines is going through let alone trying to take on and learn every position on this offensive line like his father's going through something and so he just mentioned it one day so it stuck with us but um the good news was that john Gaines was not there for the first day of fall camp because his father um did receive a new kidney and everything seems to be going pretty well. So that was pretty cool and, and pretty That's good great. news. Pretty good news to hear. Uh, just considering, um, you know, cancer is obviously no joke, and to be on the trans on the transplant transplant list, and you never know. And sometimes um, things don't work out by the time you're even in a position on the list to actually be receiving a transplant. Um, so yeah, so great news for John Gaines. He did miss the first day of camp, but was back and. Um, Things were pretty, pretty cool to hear um, just how things were working out and and a big stress relief. Right. I would just imagine to have that weight off your shoulder, um, knowing that your dad is OK um, mm-hmm. and did get through that transplant. But and w- let alone the fact I bring it up just because it's good news and John Gaines is a good dude. But one thing that stood out to me during that during the process of hearing this story kind of develop over time was John um, always praised and gave credit to Chip Kelly and UCLA for how they handled, you know, getting his father to come to games and being there 
And, you know, it's not easy just because of everything that happens with the kidney and like going through the most in terms of accommodations to make sure he's there to watch John play. Um, is that, is that something that not maybe not you personally have experienced, but with other teammates or have heard stories of how accommodating UCLA is with trying to get out of state parents to come to games and stuff like that? Because I found that to be super interesting and super cool for Chip Kelly and company to do that. Yeah. And I think there's a uh, part of the people that kind of help us with the tickets, like all the type of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, when you when you have if you have anybody with something going on or it's hard for them to get around, I think right. you can do that. But also like. Yeah, like if you're vocal with that with the coaches, you know, of course they want. We're only you only get to be a UCLA Bruin and play a certain amount of years, right? Mm-hmm. So like every opportunity you can get for your people to come to your games, I mean, it's special. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of times the coaches, and especially like I've uh, I've met John Gaines' parents, I believe, um, okay. mm-hmm. a few times when they traveled to come see him. Um, very nice people, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, if. if if people want to come see their kid or their grandchild or, you know, whatever, I think like you should do anything for, to be able to make that happen. Because like I said, your limits on how many games you get to be a UCLA Bruin, how many times you get to play in college and everything. So um, you should be able to get all the support you can. And like I said, chip and UCLA athletics for the most part, Mm -hmm. um, is very accommodating for that. And I think um, his parents, and I think John is from Wisconsin. So, Obviously, just getting the parents down for the home games and stuff. And obviously, there was the whole thing with the pandemic and everything else. So I'm sure that only made it more mm-hmm. difficult. But the other neat thing, too, was when John's mom calls him, and says, hey, your dad just got approved. Like, there's a, a kidney available for him. He's going to go into surgery. Um, I think John said he was on the plane when that happened, when the transplant happened. By the time he got there, like everything was good. He was able to his dad was just kind of waking up and stuff. Um but when he gets that call, I guess he tells Chip or UCLA, but they he says UCLA like flew him out right away, like forget camp, whatever, like go be with your family. And they did the most to get him on a plane and be with his family. And again, I thought that was super cool to hear. And I think that's what matters. And that's not only when you're looking for um, the place you want to call your home for four years and the program that you want to be with and the coach you want to attach your name to, but it's those are the kind of moments and things that you hope for. I would think if you're a football recruit, like, like it's a family, right? Like you're, you're, you're joining a family. You're not just joining a football program. And I think that's the love that John Gaines said he's felt throughout this process, but especially more so than when he returned um, back to practice and and just to see everyone kind of rally around him for that and stuff. Uh, I just thought that was a neat story. And that was probably the, one of the, the, the biggest things that stood out to me, just throughout this first week or two here of camp. So um, pretty cool, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Um, Is there anything else that comes to mind or that you're looking out for, or is there anything that I should be looking out for as we kind of, as the the Bruins kind of work their way through camp? What are some things that maybe I should be looking for seeing how, how Chip Kelly kind of runs his system? Two things. One, I think I'm most excited about the twin linebackers. I've been hearing a lot about them. There's a lot of hype on them. I'm excited to watch how they play and also special teams. I don't know who was running it and how that was going. That's something I've been meaning to look into because I don't know. It might be Jeff Ferris, the new tight ends coach, but I don't know that for sure. I always got to remember the Packers special teams. That's an important phase. Mm-hmm. So hopefully next episode we can we can talk more about I'll, what's yeah. going on. I will. I'll I'll make a point to get that figured out and figure out who's returning the balls back there. Um that's another it, thing I want to know. It better about. be Cass. 
it should, it should be Kaz. If not, I'll tell him Josh Wood said. Um, so, and it was cool too, as we kind of wrap up here. Um, when I did come back, everyone, a few people know that we are doing the podcast within the UCLA program. So a lot of people uh, wanted me to tell you hi and and uh, wish you the best of luck with everything. I always and, love. And they want you to come back down there. But I said he was in Canada. But as soon as I'll the be, season yeah, ends, I will, they want no, you. Yeah, I will be, I will catch the end of the UCLA season and hopefully the bowl game and all that. Thank you again, as always, Josh. As you mentioned there, it is all love. And we have a lot of love for you guys. Thank you guys for the support, sharing the podcast, listening every week. Make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast if you aren't already. Uh, Make sure you tell your friends, your teammates, your loved ones. Let everybody know, and let's continue to grow this thing. Uh, As we move forward, we're going to be diving into more stuff for camp. Maybe we'll have some other special interviews kind of coming up here in the coming weeks. But obviously, the focus will remain on UCLA football, and I'll be out there at practice on Tuesday, which is tomorrow, and yeah, we'll we'll see what they have in store for us. I know we did have a few interviews that did kind of come along. I'll be talking about some of those in the next podcast as well later at the end of this week, so stay tuned for all things UCLA football right here on the Believe in UCLA Football podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.